Hello, PASS members. Welcome to the PASS Weekly Update Podcast. My name is Kim. I'm a community pharmacist working in Saskatoon, and I often find myself wishing that my emails would read themselves. Unfortunately, they don't, but yours does. I'm going to read you the PASS Weekly Update. This one is from July 9th, 2021. And uh, every episode, we usually start off by talking about some form of self-care that is making your life better and I usually come up with really weird ones and and I kind of have an interesting one this week that I stumbled into because on the surface it looks like manual labor. I've been painting my house. It is a lot of work and it's really annoying but I'm so pleased with the new color like it used to be kind of a thunderstorm blue gray upstairs and I felt like It just made me think of thunderstorms like gloomy and dark and ominous and now I am painting it like a happy shade of teal. It's like a very light color so it's not obscene or gaudy. I guess it depends who you ask. My sense of style is eccentric but it's really nice. I just I feel cheerful looking at it so it's manual labor on the surface but the aqua whisper is chicken noodle soup for my soul. Anyways, I guess the takeaway could be to surround yourself with colors that make yourself happy because they definitely have some kind of impact on our mood. So think about that and I'm going to pull up my email from July 9th, 2021. All right, I am looking at it and the first document we like to look at is the PASS document entitled COVID-19 in Community Pharmacies. Last updated July 9th, and I'm going to look for the new content. There's an important reminder here related to the vaccine distribution tracking system. It says the drug plan has advised that pharmacists who are canceling orders through the portal must enter zero and then resubmit the order for the cancellation to show up. Changing the number without resubmitting does not change the original order. A reminder that pharmacies must submit vaccine orders two weeks in advance of the date required, i.e. the July 19th orders were required to have been submitted July 6th. Currently, it appears some pharmacies are not submitting daily entries for the VDTS. This is skewing information on vaccine availability. Daily entries are required so that SaskHealth has an accurate account of all available vaccines. If the system is not updated by the pharmacy on a daily basis, it could impact that pharmacy's ability to secure future orders. We have some information here about vaccine hesitancy for patients getting Moderna as a second dose. To help patients feel comfortable receiving Moderna vaccine product as a second dose when they are hesitant, consider the following tips. Remind patients 18 and older that they can receive Moderna for their second dose regardless of what they receive for their first dose. Punctured Moderna vials are good for 24 hours, therefore puncture the vial as close to the first appointment as possible to help extend its shelf life. Only take out one vial at a time to minimize wastage. Unpunctured Moderna vials are stable in the fridge for 30 days. Consider consolidating appointments until you can book enough to use up a vial. For example, offer vaccinations three days only versus seven days or place patients on a list until there are close to 14 patients as possible to align with 14 doses in a vial. If you have extra vials, you can always reach out to another store or SHA to accept a transfer. Please notify the drug plan first before transferring because additional approval is needed in some cases. This seems like a good time to remind everybody about that form that we saw, I think, last week or maybe two weeks ago from the University of Waterloo, and it was about mixing Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. It's got some 
talking points for common questions and answers that you may find helpful for interacting with the public when you're talking to vaccine hesitant patients. So Google's that or look at your previous past weekly update. I think it was from two weeks ago. There's another reminder here about the test to protect program, which is the rapid COVID-19 testing for asymptomatic staff. This is the same info that I have read you previously. As well, I am working on a mini episode finally, but it's um, something that I can't do all in one day because I have to wait to hear whether or not my intake application form is approved and then record more snippets as we go along. So that'll be a little while in the making, but uh, I actually am doing it. So stay tuned for that. There's a new resource listed here. It's a small PDF. You can click on the link and it looks like it has been created by Sask Health Authority and it's called Huddle Notes Vaccine Uptake from May 6th, 2021. Okay, so this is not actually new. It's new to us, but it seems like information that we already know. I think it's just become a topic of conversation again on the past Facebook page, so maybe that's why this has been brought to our attention again, but it's about COVID-19 immunization in pregnant and breastfeeding women. Basically, it says women's health is a popular topic of conversation in social media, and sometimes pseudoscience or opinion starts to overtake what is actually evidence-based medicine and it talks about how local doctor Lexi Rigush has been presenting on the topics as a specialist she's an obstetrician I know that many moons ago there were some videos linked on YouTube that were short and sweet and to the point that I watched and it explained everything which was really helpful Um, as well I know we've been reading this information for long time already but Uh, I'll read you the the highlighted portions of the document, and then if you feel like that is some information that you would like to brush up on, this is where you can find it. So COVID-19 immunization in pregnancy. There's an outline of the current approach to vaccination in pregnancy, the benefits of vaccination in pregnancy, and vaccine specifics as they relate to pregnancy. And then there's a little note for consideration Um, that women should also consider how likely they are to be exposed to COVID-19. Make sure that they feel comfortable with their practitioners and they feel like they can discuss the possible benefits and risks of vaccines so that they're well informed. And then to understand potential risks of the illness versus the vaccine, which seems to far outweigh uh, any possible side effects from the vaccine, but it is an individual choice. Oh, I see now at the bottom, there is also a link to the YouTube video of the presentation I was just talking about. So if you haven't seen that, it's from March 29th, 2021. It's 28 minutes long. I recommend it if you feel like this is something you could benefit from learning more about. I'm back in the past document and I am scrolling. This is kind of cool. We have a website linked here called Vaccine Uptake Support. And it looks like it's geared towards healthcare professionals. When I click on the link, it brings me to a webpage on the Sask Health Authority website called Vaccine Uptake Support. And it says, 
COVID-19 vaccines offered in SASC are all effective and continuously monitored for safety. They are a critical tool in SASC's fight against COVID-19. We encourage you to accept the first vaccination you are offered. Click here to read SHA's full statement of support for all vaccine types in the COVID-19 immunization campaign. The info on this page is supported by the following health organizations. SASC Health Authority, SASC Medical Association, College of Physicians and Surgeons of SASC, SASC Association of Nurse Practitioners, Registered Nurses Association, U of S College of Pharmacy and Nutrition, MedSASC, U of S College of Medicine, Division of Continuing Medical Education, PASS, SASC College of Family Physicians, SASC College of Pharmacy Professionals. It's got some Q&As on here. I think this is maybe geared towards vaccine-hesitant healthcare workers. I don't know any of those, but I know they exist. Oh, this is cool. It's called Vaccine Update Huddle Notes. So they do have the one about pregnancy that we were just looking at, but there's a few others here listed. Would have been nice to have these before. I think they've been around for a long time. So the first one, Vaccination Hesitancy for First Nations and Métis People. Vaccine Development and Approval Process. Yeah, this has been out since May 25th, 2021. I have tried to do some independent research, but this would have made my life easier had I had it a while ago. And April 22nd, respectively. Well, better late than never, I guess. If you uh, feel like you would like more information on that, you can find it by following this link. Oh, and they also have videos here. There's um, YouTube videos linked about vaccine hesitancy, efficacy, and hyper-selectivity by Dr. Scott Knapper. As well, there is the video by Dr. Lexi Rigush about vaccination in pregnant and breastfeeding patients. There's a mystery video labeled BOG PNBUWMI0. I don't think I'll click on that one. Uh, there's one called Cultural Influences on Vaccine Hesitancy by Judy Pelly. Dr. Julie Stacku, there's one entitled Thromboembolic Complications of COVID-19 Vaccination. And there's another one here, Men and Women's Health Problems, Why the COVID Vaccine Does Not Cause Infertility or Women's Menstrual Irregularities. That one I'm going to watch because I would like to know more about where in the heck did these rumors come from and how best to handle inquiries about that. Oh, and there's some other PDFs listed here. Seems like things we've mostly seen already, but it's nice to have them all consolidated into one beautiful web page. It brings a tear to my eye, and I only wish I had access to it sooner. But, you know, this past document is quite snazzy as well, so I don't feel too left out. All right, I'm back in that past document, and the next section here is entitled Updated, Reopen Saskatchewan. As the province begins to lift restrictions, PASS will add details of each change that may affect pharmacy practice here. As of July 11th, the public health order requiring masks in indoor spaces will end, but masking will continue to be an option for all residents that wish to do so. Unvaccinated or partially vaccinated people should still consider masking. It is the choice of an individual business or facility to implement their own masking policy. If you enter a facility that requires a mask, patrons must respect the decision of the business and either comply or choose not to visit that establishment. Additional info for businesses and workplaces is available at, there's a link here, Reopening SASC Step 3 FAQ for Businesses and Workers. 
this section is speaking specifically about family visitation in long-term personal care homes and acute care settings. It says staff will continue to recommend precautions to protect residents, including staff masking, screening, rapid tests, and use of personal protective equipment. Masking and screening will still be required for all patients and visitors to SASC's acute care health facilities. All measures regarding screening for COVID-19, including screening for symptoms and masking, will continue at all SASC Cancer Agency facilities until further notice. Oh, I didn't realize it was sneaking up, but we reached the end of that document. It is now 17 pages long. We've gone back into our email. Next up, we're going to check out the SHA stakeholder update. The opening message in here, this is from July 9th, 2021. Phase three of the reopened SAS plan takes place July 11th and it will remove remaining public health orders, including mandatory masking. SHA facilities will not be changing the current continuous masking and eye protection guidelines for healthcare workers based on recommendations from infection prevention and control. We understand that wearing a mask in the summer heat can be uncomfortable. However, the safety of patients, staff, family, and visitors in SHA facilities and homes is our number one priority. COVID-19 still presents a significant risk to the health and safety of people in our facilities and homes, and wearing masks helps to reduce that risk. As a result, the current continuous masking and COVID-19 screening process will remain in place. This applies to everyone who enters an SHA facility other than long-term care homes. This means that all staff, physicians, patients, family members, and visitors are required to wear a medical-grade mask when in an SHA facility or performing any SHA service. Patients will still be able to remove masks when they are in their room. This will be regularly reviewed and updated as needed. In SHA long-term care homes and affiliates, masking will no longer be required by residents, family, and visitors, but everyone is encouraged to wear them, especially when a two-meter distance cannot be maintained. There's also no longer a limit to the number of family members and visitors that can be present at one time. Staff working in long-term care homes must continue to follow continuous masking protocols and daily COVID-19 screening. Long-term care homes differ from other SHA facilities because this is considered the resident's home. Everyone must also go through COVID-19 screening upon entry and all staff must continue to do the daily fitness for work screening before each shift. You should also continue to perform point of care risk assessments and wear PPE accordingly. Fully vaccinated people are not exempt from this as there are documented cases of COVID-19 like the Delta variant being spread in each healthcare facility among fully vaccinated people. Keeping our facilities safe is the role of every employee and by working together, we can keep everyone healthy and safe. There's a little picture of two milkshakes in here and it says strawberry or chocolate, both are delicious summer treats. Moderna or Pfizer both protect you from COVID-19. <laughs> that is cute. It's creative. So they've got a blurb here. It says NASI has advised Pfizer and Moderna can be safely substituted for each other. When residents who received either or for their first dose become eligible for a second dose, they should take whatever vaccine is available to them rather than waiting for the same brand of vaccine. Please remember, Pfizer is the only one approved for use in age 12 to 17, so you cannot use Moderna for that age group. It says here, additional delays of vaccines in the future are likely, which is why it is important for residents to take the vaccine offered to them and ensure they receive protection from COVID-19 and the increasing variants of concern. Then we have some human interest stories. The first one is about a communications consultant and registered medical first responder named Jane Libel. And the next one is about that mayor challenge between Saskatoon versus Regina. So if you would like to check that out, you can do so, but I'm not gonna read it to you. So we're going back into our past weekly update email. 
The next link is specifically about what to expect after July 11th in Sask Health Authority facilities. I feel like we did already go over kind of the Cliff Notes version of that, so I'm feeling confident about the level of detail I have, but if you need more information on that, you can find it here, or it was also mentioned in the Sask Health Authority update that we read. There's another reminder to use the vaccine distribution tracking system every day when you're administering vaccines so that everything is current. We've got an additional update. This one is from NIHB and it's from June 2021. Talks about some pharmacy benefit info, new pharmacy benefit listings and changes. Trintelix is now an open benefit, so that's cool. Lawn Surf is now a limited use benefit for treatment of certain cancers. The following previously listed as limited use benefits are now open benefits. Campral, traditional immunosuppressants, including cyclosporin, tacrolimus, not including topical, serolimus, and mycophenolate, and polysaccharide iron complex products, Ferramax, Triferrix, Nyferix, Polyride FE, and Jamp Ferris polysaccharide, so that's cool. They have a little blurb about pre-exposure prophylaxis to prevent HIV infections. And then it looks like they switched to dental benefit information. So I guess we got the info that was most relevant to us. And uh, yeah, that was a juicy one. I liked it. There's a note here from Indigenous Services Canada. It says July 9th, NIHB program Philips Respironics Recall. So this ventilator was recalled. Oh, a voluntary recall. That's an important distinction due to degradation of the abatement foam. And it just says here, NIHB is not responsible for costs related to the recall, such as shipping parts repair. Providers have access to information related to the make and model of the device that was dispensed to the client. They are expected to notify their clients of the recall and provide the specific instructions from the manufacturer on the Philips Respironics repair replacement process. And then there's a link you can follow if that is relevant to you to get more information about the recall and what to do about it. All right, next up we've got some bulletins from the drug plan. This first one is the update to the 62nd edition of the SASC formulary. It's a formulary bulletin dated July 1st, 2021. And I'm going to have a tough time with these words because I have never dispensed these medications before. Recommended as EDS benefits according to the following criteria. Baricitinib, 2 milligrams. Alumiant Lil. For the treatment of active rheumatoid arthritis in patients who have failed or are intolerant to methotrexate and leflunamide. Talks about the max daily dose. Should be prescribed in consultation with a specialist. Should have a follow-up within the first 12 weeks with the specialist. Improvement of at least 20% is expected. Should not be used in combination with Zeljans or other JAK inhibitors. Or other biologics for rheumatoid arthritis, obviously. Okay, there's that, and then we've got another drug here called Lumacaftor Ivacaftor tablet, or Orcombivir. Oh, this is for the treatment of cystic fibrosis patients who meet certain medical criteria. Contact the drug plan for more info regarding coverage availability and the EDS application process for this product. That is unique. I 
well, I don't actually have any cystic fibrosis patients at the moment, so it could be that I am just not well informed on this, but usually the EDS criteria, or at least the generic version of it is listed in the formulary and you can just read it, but this one you have to like ask them for it. So if that is relevant to your practice, you should do that. The next thing we have here is a drug plan extended benefits branch information bulletin talks about some EDS updates from July 1st and some holiday hours which have already passed so I don't think we need to focus on that. Cool beans? Okay, I'm back in our email and we are on to the webinars and education segment of our email. The first one is from the Neighborhood Pharmacy Association of Canada and it's a webinar that will take place Thursday, July 15th from 12 to 1.15 p.m. Eastern Time. So I think that would be 10 a.m. Sask time if I am not mistaken. And it is entitled, Pharmacy's Role in Routine Immunizations, Building on the COVID-19 Experience. There's no cost to register. Shalita Detani will be the moderator, and then there are two people who will be speakers. Connor Bitter, Strategy Director and Industry Partnerships Lead from 19 to 0. And Laura Greer, the Senior Vice President, Health and Wellness, Hill plus Knowlton Strategies. Awesome. The synopsis for this, it says, We have all seen how COVID-19 has changed our daily ways of life. In doing so, it has offered new opportunities for growth and change, particularly in pharmacy. Neighborhood Pharmacy Association of Canada recently partnered with 19 to 0 to understand Canadians' COVID-19 vaccination experiences. Join us on Thursday, July 15th to hear about these survey results and what it could mean for our advocacy towards a greater role for pharmacy in routine immunizations moving forward. We have another plug here for the Pharmacy course offered through CPDPP. It's an online course accredited for five CEUs. If you register before September 1st as a regular member, it would be $200 for the early bird registration, $250 for regular registration, $150 as a refresher course, $75 for out-of-province pharmacy students that are students, not pharmacists, and they don't go to USAS, but they go somewhere. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I know I've talked about that before, but uh, in case you missed it, I will reiterate this is a program for pharmacists to help patients improve their sleep and stop or reduce the use of hypnotic medications. Online course. Check that out if your heart desires. And the last link we need to check out here is from Pharmacy U, entitled Your Vital Role Conference for Pharmacy Technicians. I think I put the wrong inflection on the wrong syllable. Yeah, it should probably read your vital role, a conference for pharmacy technicians. That makes more sense, doesn't it? So that'll be taking place September 18th and 20th, 2021. It is a virtual conference and it costs money, but it's pretty affordable. It says regular price $90, early bird price $45 if you register before August 1st. Special deals for pharmacists, pharmacy technician teams, or two pharmacy technicians. Two can attend for the price of one. It doesn't really tell me anything about the conference. Oh, there's an agenda button I can click on. There's an entire website devoted to this conference. That is fancy. Hmm. I don't know. I don't really understand what it's about. It says train the trainer session. I am not sure. But if you or someone you know is a pharmacy technician that is interested in attending a virtual online conference, 
this is a virtual online conference and it's probably going to talk about some very interesting things and make them feel intelligent and, and well-rounded, even more so than they already certainly are. All right, with that, we have got to the end of our past weekly update from July 9th, 2021. Paint your entire house. That's my tidbit for today. Have a splendid week. Bye.